0: Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to say thank you for taking the time to sit with us today as we continue our exploration into the heart of Christian service. And last time we looked at different ways uh, that we may respond to uh, human needs. Uh, we looked at the ways we should not respond, and we also looked at the way a true servant of God should respond. But what happens now when the people with the needs don't want our help? There's people out there that are like hedgehogs, and the closer you get to them, they stick you with their protective quills. You know, they've they've developed these protective quills, or they've put up these invisible barriers or walls around their heart. And uh, you know you want to help them because they have a genuine need, but um, you know that, you just know that if you help them, you're going to get hurt. And that's why love is an essential part of Christian ministry. That's why we need love. It has to be our motivation. Uh, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And when, our, when the motivation for service or ministry is anything but the love of Christ, and that is his love for us and our love for him, then our ministry will not meet human needs, nor will it uh, glorify God. And um, Matthew uh, tells us in 9, Matthew nine thirty six he's speaking of Jesus. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You see, of course, Jesus loved people. And he he moved with compassion on people because he wanted to meet their needs. He wanted to help them. And uh, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.14 that it's that very love of Christ that compels us or motivates us. And um, getting back to that definition that Pastor Warren Wiersbe, uh came up with for ministry, uh, and uh, speaking of the phrase loving channels, uh, it doesn't, it's not an implication there that God's servants are passive conduits through which God pours his blessing and, um, and that's it. We have no action, no, no part in it. Um, God works not in spite of us or instead of us, but he works in and through us. And, uh, it's his working to share his divine resources with others and it's through that that he wants to bless the channel as well. You see, because God blesses us, we have to take the action now to put forth God's blessings to meet the human needs of, of, uh, in the world. So, um, and again, it's not a pacificity there. And, uh, unlike Satan, who uses channels or clairvoyance, um, and you know all about that with the seances and things like that devil spirits involved, but in those cases, Satan uses channels um those channels are are very are passive they they're just there, and it's just because the devil spirits do not ha do not have form they have to use a a a body to get the message across so uh that's the difference, and we don't want that confused here when we speak of loving channels as being something that's passive. It's just a beautiful phrase, meaning that God is working in and through us uh, to do of his good pleasure. And um, again, he wants to bless the channel as well. Satan never blesses his anybody involved with Satan, his servants. He couldn't care less about them. He just uses them. And uh, that is, of course, not the case with God. And when the servant for God doesn't get a blessing out of the work, then something is wrong. Uh, because serving God should not be punishment. It's not, it's not drudgery. It should never be drudgery. Uh, and it, it, it is nourishment. And Jesus tells us in John four thirty four, he says, my food is to do the will of him, him who sent me and to finish his work. So serving God should be a blessing and we should get a blessing out of it. And, um, when your heart is right, that's exactly what will happen. And uh, serving God, of course, means uh, working with people. And people not only have problems, but people—some people—are problems. And it's uh, generally what happens is they're problems because of the way they deal with their own needs. Um, they again can grow protective quills, uh, and they—that in order to keep others at a distance you know they put up these walls they protect they have these protective quills that'll stick you if you get too close and um, unless you really love these people you'll never be able to help them and again keep in mind uh, you know we went through this last time but you know uh, one of the ways we can respond to people's needs is by using them for our own self-interest and maybe these people got hurt by someone who was trying to help them. See, and you never know uh, the reason that they put up these walls and, and the reason that they have these protective quills. Um, so it's a self-protective mechanism, you know, maybe. So we, you never know. That's why you have to have your head in the Word of God and let God work with you through the Holy Spirit to uh, show you things that you need to know. And again, though, love will uh, melt those v- invisible walls or barriers uh love will m- uh melt those protective quills and when those people see the love of god in you and through you then and only then will you be able to uh possibly get close enough to uh meet uh meet their needs and um Last time we also looked at the um, the fact that we must rightly relate to the needs of others. Again, there's, there's other ways that um, we can respond that are not proper ways. And again, that does not bless God, does not bless your ministry, and can hurt people as well. And um, we mustn't be blind to the needs of people or ignore them nor must we use their needs as opportunity to promote ourselves. And that we went through that last time. But here's an interesting point. It's a very important point, is that the people you're trying to help may take any or all of those same wrong approaches when they meet, uh, trying to meet their own problems or taking care of their own problems. So those very uh, things we went through, Um, Some people are blind to their real needs and constantly want to go on a detour. They can't even they don't they're completely blind to their own real needs. Other people may choose to ignore their needs and perhaps blame somebody else. And that's a very uh, common one. How often do you see that? I mean, you may do it yourself that you have an an issue or need and, you know, it's easier to blame someone else. Um, So you ignore your needs because of that or these people do that. And then there's poor people that have learned to exploit their needs and to get what they want from others. That's another very common one. And um, they can't afford to solve their problems because their whole lifestyle was built upon. Them. Boy, that's a, that's a real common one. And you see it, all, you see it today in, with the government and with the people in the state of the economy. And you've got people that will um, exploit their needs. And to the point where they expect the government to do everything for them, they have all these freebies. Um, and that is not the way it should be, that's not the way it should be done. Uh, government has no purpose, should have no purpose in meeting needs. That's where Christian ministry comes in. Um, uh, but again, you have people that, um, and this is again for Christian ministry or not, but, uh, People that build their whole lifestyle around um, using people um, to get what they want, they exploit. And uh, so they, they can't afford to solve their own needs. And that is the group probably that is the most difficult to uh, to help. And here's another interesting quote. Uh, Justice seeks out the merits of a case, but pity only regards the need. And we. You have to remember that we who are servants of God don't deserve the grace of God any more than the people that we're trying to help. So the servant and the servee do not deserve the grace of God, neither one of us. So who are we then to limit the grace of God and his mercy? Um, Christian glove though is not blind and, um, Paul prayed for uh, the believers in Philippi. Uh, you can see that in Philippians 1, uh, 1-9 specifically, that he says that their love might abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Uh, Jesus in Mark ten 21, we'll go there for a second. Um, Mark 10, actually we'll start at verse 17. This one I want to read uh, because this one is important. Uh, Mark 10, we'll start at 17, we're going to read down through uh, verse 22, and it says, I'm going to read from um, the New Living Translation here, it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked, only God is truly good, but to answer your question, you know the commandments, you must not murder you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. And then the man replies, teacher, uh, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Then Jesus, looking at the man in verse 21, he felt genuine love for him. So the love was there. And he says, there is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And verse 22, at this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. See, this was a rich young man. And see, Jesus had compassion for him. He had love for the guy. But that didn't motivate Jesus to lower the standards and make it easy for the man to follow Christ. And isn't that important? Isn't that uh, an an interesting concept here? Uh, It's not enough for us merely to love suffering people and want to help them. We must also love the truth that God has given us. And we should never uh, use our ministry uh, to contradict or... Uh, walk off of the Word of God. So in other words, you're not going to help people when it's off the Word of God or in a way that's off the Word of God. And you never make it easy for someone to get ministered to or to take action uh, when it's when when the harder route is based on the truth of the Word of God. And Psalms 119.97 you can take a look at on your own. Second Thessalonians 2.10 talks about the truth of the love of God. Uh, and if truth and love contradict each other, each other, then something is wrong. OK, so we, we, again, that's why you have to have your head in the word of God. You have to be walking by the spirit with the love of God and you never compromise the word of God. So you you just never do. And um, many of us will be, you know, if you're not, if you're true to yourself, we, we, we will often make the confession that we're not capable of loving people the way Jesus loved them. We simply can't. I mean, that's what, we, you know, if, you, if you're if you honest with yourself, you know that, that we cannot help people uh, as much as the way Jesus Christ could or as big as he could. But it's a, it's a goal to strive for. That's what we should be striving for. Um we do our best. Paul put out a whole chapter, penned a whole chapter, First Corinthians 13 about charity, which is love. And um, the the thing is, when we walk in love, uh, sometimes it's not always a um, a permanent thing. It, it may not last, and uh, that comes into play because uh, we have that man- manufacturer's mentality, which we looked at previously as well. Um, you know, God wants us to have that distributors mentality. But again, we're human. We have that manufacturers mentality. And, um, you know, sometimes we look to ourselves for the answers instead of looking at God for the answers. And um, uh, God doesn't ask us to work up our Christian love in our own strength. Because he offers the created in us when we need it. And that's important. You know, you pray about situations. When, but again, you, you got to have your head in the word consistently, daily. Uh, because if it's not, then, then this becomes very difficult. And um, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And you can see that in Romans 5.5. 5. And then in Galatians, Paul talks about, uh, in 522, he lays out or puts, puts out a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And love is the first one on that list. Um, uh, and the love that we need for ministry is not a natural ability. It's a supernatural quality that only God can provide. And it's God putting his natural, uh, his super on our natural, and then we can get through Uh, to people, and then we can operate in the love that he wants us to to use to minister to people. Uh, Because you got to remember that people will disappoint us, people will uh, irritate us, and when that happens, one of the first things we do is pray to God and ask God to uh, change them. Isn't that true? Don't we do that? You know, we pray that God will change the people? When, in fact, we ought to, what we should do first is pray uh, for ourselves and ask God to increase our love. Increase the capacity of our love so that we can minister properly. Uh, we shouldn't be asking God to change the people, but increase our love so we can effectively minister to those people. And uh, if you don't, if you don't do that, if you don't uh, increase your love, uh, as only God can increase it, uh, If you don't pray and ask God to increase your love and you go the other route, um, that's when you can give the devil a stronghold. Because then you start thinking about things on your own. How can you meet the needs? How can you do this? How can I do that? How can we get this done? And you start thinking of yourselves. And then it, it comes off of God and onto you or us and onto our shoulders then the mind starts to work. And once that happens, the devil can get a stronghold in there. And then he'll start really bombarding, bombarding you uh, and bombarding all of us with um, different ideas. And you know, Again, keep in mind, he, wants, he doesn't want people's needs met. He doesn't want the love of God put forth. He doesn't want God to get any glory. He doesn't want you to be blessed. He doesn't want anybody to be blessed. So, and once he gets a foothold in your brain, in your mind then it becomes increasingly difficult to get him out of there. And um, then it will become more difficult to deal with those problem people again in the future uh, when you're trying to minister to them. So uh, in Ephesians 4.32, it says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, if we go back to that for a second and read it this way, And be kind to one another, even if they aren't kind to you tenderhearted even if they hurt you forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you you see a uh, pastor creflo dollar uh says it and he says it often that we're not responsible for how people treat us but we are responsible how how we treat people so you know when people are, are aren't kind to you you still have to put forth kindness to them and when people aren't when people hurt you, you're still supposed to be tenderhearted to them. And that's the love of Christ, because Christ that's how Jesus Christ operated. And he had that compassion and that love. And again, it's God who we're who we working for, God who we're serving. And you you have to give the people the slack. And it's a hard thing to do, but you have to cut them the slack knowing that uh, they have problems and and how they minister to or how they, I'm sorry, how they respond to us is not giving us a license to respond back to them in kind. So we have to respond the way God wants us to respond, irregardless of how those people treat us. And. The Holy Spirit is the one that can make you adequate for any ministry challenge that God brings to you. Remember that. I mean, God, when you get born again, you get the Holy Spirit in us. We get the Holy Spirit in us. That's a big deal. And we have the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to teach us. And uh, and again, though, your head, I can't stress it enough. Your head has to be in the Word of God consistently. I mean, you try to do this alone without the Word of God guess what? You're not going to make it. And another key point or a a nugget here is that don't expect God to speak to you. And again, God can talk audibly. He can talk through dreams. He can talk through visions. He can speak to you. Most of the time, it's probably through a still small voice. Uh, It's just something you you know inside. Uh, But guess what? If God puts something in his word, He expects us to know that. So don't expect him to speak to you through that still still small voice when your head is not in the word. Don't expect him to tell you something that he's already told you. So that's a a nugget. And I mean, I learned that a long, long time ago. Um, And and any any, um, preacher, any teacher of the word will tell you that, I'm sure. Uh, that your head has to be in the Word. I mean, he didn't, he doesn't have Paul and all these other, uh, writers of, of the, of the Bible put it down in print for no reason. Um, so he does not go, uh, he, he does not tell you, he won't go above and beyond his Word unless you know what's in the Word to begin with. So he's not going to reiterate or repeat what he's got in his Word. I mean, and, and again, there's specific situations that, uh, you know, unique situations. I'm not speaking for God there, but that's a general rule of thumb and it's a good good rule to follow. Um, another tidbit um, that we overlook in Christian service is that God is as concerned about the servant as he is the service. And if he only wanted to get the work done, he could send his angels to do it. I mean, they could do it better. They could do it quicker. They could do it faster. They could do it... Uh, and and in a way that God would have less agita because, I mean, God's dealing with us. He's got plenty of agita because, as we say in Italian, he, they have, he has plenty of agita when we do things sometimes, when an angel, uh, generally, they'll follow the, follow the rule. They'll do what God asks them to do, what God sends them to do in a quicker, better way. but So why would God ask us to do it? Because he wants us to be blessed as well. And, and again, remember, he's, he wants to do something in us And that's why he allows the hedgehogs, hedgehogs, he allows those hedgehogs in our lives so that he can use them to encourage us to pray, uh, trust the word, depend on the Holy Spirit for for loving grace. Difficult people and difficult circumstances can be used by the Holy Spirit to help us grow and become more like Christ. And the problem is that at being human, what our tendency is is to pray for deliverance instead of growth. And that's that's a that's a pitfall. Um we ask the Lord, how can I get out of this instead of what can I get out of this? So one small word, how versus what, can make the world of difference because what happens is when we ask God to remove the the obstacle. Or well, we ask God to, to to take us out of uh, deliver us from this situation that we're in, or this ministry situation, or this tough situation, whatever it is. We miss the opportunity that God gives us to to develop spiritual maturity. And uh, again, God may not cause the problems to come in our lives, but He allows us to go through them. And and it's again, it's not a test. It's a test for us. God doesn't test us, but God knows the outcome. He has no reason to test us. But it's a test for us in the the sense that uh, we can now see uh, God working in our lives if we let him. And if we go through the fire, we can come out victorious on the other side. And when we see that, see, that's the test. And Cripple Dollar, uh, another quote that I really liked um, and he said that times of struggle, like when you're going through something like that, sometimes God will remain silent. You know, you can pray, but God will remain silent. And he says to remember that the teacher never talks when the test is being given. That is so cool. And uh, I think about that all the time. Um, and it's real cool. Really uh, uh, interesting uh, quote there. The teacher never t- Te- speaks when the test is being given. And that's a really a nice quote. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, too, um, if we can stop here for a second, the thing that's very interesting is, again, I've told you that I'm studying the, the physical brain. And, you know, we talk about love, walking out in love. And the thing about it is God has has wired our brains physically. To respond to love in such a way that when you walk out in love, uh, there is a a chemical, a brain chemical called oxytocin, which actually gets released in the brain. The brain releases oxytocin, and that will, what it does is it melts toxic thought clusters that are in our memory banks and in our our brains. And that allows us the, um, and I'm not going to get into all the intricacies, but the, what that chemical does is it actually melts those toxic thoughts centers clusters and that allows us to renew our minds to to the word of God and put the positive thoughts over the old thoughts and that's a whole other a whole other um, a realm of study uh, but I just wanted to put that forth because what it shows is and, and you'll see how many times God mentions walking out in love and love in the Bible and it's interesting that, because we talked a few minutes ago about God wanting to bless the server and the server. And what happens is when you walk out in love, that oxytocin flows, you see? And it, it does the body a physical, and there's actually a physical benefit to the body by doing that. Uh, in addition it helps the servant as we talked about before because love may now um melt the visible walls or barriers but it may also uh, uh melt those protective quills and then also this chemical oxytocin works along with dopamine and it gives us it it, it gives us a sense of uh motivation and uh when we're trying to help people and when we want to bond with people, so this these are things that God built into the physical body, into the brain, uh, that you have no idea unless you've studied it, and it's a, just another way that God blesses us. That God has put in His Word to uh, and, and and constructed the, the the body and the and the brain to uh, to give us blessings when we walk out on His Word, and it's just so amazing to me. And that's why I, I really excite, get excited when I study this brain stuff, because it really makes the scriptures uh, come alive. Um, but uh, the other thing is that um, um, it's interesting, too, because dopamine, um, that's where, where dope comes from, and it's the counterfeit again. When drugs, they hijack that support system. A uh, whole other ball game. but it's very interesting. Uh, but I just wanted to, to mention that because it is a way that God blesses us. And, and unless you study it, you, you really don't even know that. And that's just one of the ways God blesses us. And then you have, of course, the blessings that come from just our knowledge that we're helping people and walking out on God's word. And when you're walking in the, your plan, um, you get that that sense of, uh, of just that wonderful sense of peacefulness walking with God. Um it's often too that when we have problem situations, um, and this is all look all different ways in our lives, not only Christian ministry, that, you know, you feel like quitting or quitting and running away. And uh that's probably the worst thing that you can do. And uh, you know, there's pastors that and again, they every Monday they quit. They don't they don't leave, but they quit in their brain for, you know, for Monday and then come Tuesday they're back on, on board. But you know, it's just the thing that, um, you know, you want to quit. It's the easy thing to do. Quitting is easy. Uh, Billy Blanks, who is our Ty Bo instructor, and he always says in the workout, you know, if you if you get, cause he's, it's pretty tough workouts, um, and what he'll say consistently is, oh, you know, don't quit. If you have to stop, go over, get a drink of water, towel off, up, join, then join us back in here for the workout because you don't want to quit. Because when you quit, you're giving up and you don't want to give up. So it may be a time that you may have to just, you know, take a breather and, uh, you know, get back in the Word. You should be in the Word, but, you know, you might have to study certain scriptures to uh, meditate on scriptures to uh, get your mind and heart back on track. Uh, but you don't want to quit because it could be the worst thing you, you that you do. Uh, Running away from church or giving up your classes that you do or a committee that you're on or serving in the choir or on the praise and worship team may not be. It may be the worst thing that you can do leaving there and you'll never solve the problems or meet the needs that are in your heart. Um, And then if you leave a church, let's say, because you're having difficulties and you never really got to the heart of the problem and you just quit, then um, you'll probably meet the same situation, the same People with different names. When you go to the next assignment, next church, or or whatever, and um, I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, but here's the thing: um, we're talking about here, and I don't I don't want to uh, give you the wrong impression here. Uh, what I'm speaking of here, and this is me, this is what I believe. Uh, I'm speaking of the plan that God has for your life, your primary ministry, what God has called you to do. Um, And we'll go into that in a second. But uh, I had this thought yesterday when I was thinking about, uh, you know, going over what I was going to do for this uh, video. And uh, I got this thought, and I'm going to just read it to you. It's, you you don't give up on your ministry, the plan that God has for your life. You continue to work that plan because that is what God expects. See, God doesn't want you to be a quitter. And um, God actually won't let his servants run away. That's why the next church you go to, if you left the church for uh, uh, a reason that uh, because you weren't blessed doing your service, your ministry, now you go to another church. Guess what? God allows you to go through the same thing over there because he doesn't let you run away. Uh, If it's your ministry. and, And that's what we have to park here for a second. I mean, this is a whole avenue you can go. You could probably go a very long time studying uh, this, and you probably should You know, when we're talking about calling, uh, your plan, uh, because we look at it this way. You have a calling on your life. That is your ministry. That is the plan God has for your life, but then you might have a burden for ministry, and that burden can be a, a good word. I've heard some pastors, uh, some teachers say the word burden, uh, use the word burden. Others will say, well, it's not to use the word burden because God's work is never a burden. So it's it's really a semantic kind of thing and it's not meant to mean those that use it the word burden uh, in relationship to ministry um, they don't mean it to be that it's a drudgery uh or a burden, you know, that you're that you're performing your ministry, but it's a more of a it's it's something that you feel that you have to do, let's put it that way, the burden, it, it's something that, you get, God may ask you to do something, that you just have to do, and unless you do it, or until you do it, you just keep, the, it's like a heaviness that, and you keep, and you keep getting it, and you keep getting it, and then it may go away, and then you get it again, and then, Uh, I mean, I've been through that a few times where there's been certain things that God, I I, I, I feel it was God asking me to do something. And then you kind of rationalize or I rationalize about it. Well, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't God. And then you let it go and and it passes and then it comes back again. And when that happens, uh, that is something that God may be asking you to do. And that can be considered a burden again. The fact that God is asking you to do it, and it's a burden on you to the point where you know you have to do it. And you don't get relief, actually, until you do it. But see, those things can be a one-shot deal. I mean, God might be asking you to give something to someone. He may be asking you to minister to one person uh, on a given time. He may, Whatever it is, it could be a one-time deal. Um, And once you do it, you, you, it's like the weight of the world is off your shoulders and you feel blessed. The, the, the end result is a blessing on the, the recipient's part. But I don't want that to be, uh, uh, I don't want to confuse what we're saying here about quitting being wrong because there are certain situations where it can be just saying no to something. Like, I'll give you an example. I mean, if your plan for ministry that God has called you to do, um, Let's say you're in praise and worship, and that's what God calls you to do. That's your gifting. But you'll have other areas. He, God gives us, uh, you know, a full gambit of, of different, a full boat of different, uh, uh, um, giftings and talents and, and, and there's many different things that we can do that are outside of your primary gifting, and outside the primary plan, and we'll call that the calling on your life, and so those things, uh, it may be like, you know, your church has a need, uh, I mean, and you, you know, you volunteer to be a greeter, or somebody in praise and worship, you'll see that all the time, sometimes the praise and worship team may be greeters, or they'll do other things, but the primary, their primary ministry may be The music. So, when we're talking there is, so, in that situation, what I'm talking about is that, uh, it, it wouldn't be good for somebody who's praise and worship call, has a praise and worship calling to quit that end of it because they're having difficulties. It could be difficulties with the people that you're serving with. Um, you never want to leave that. But different other situations, you might be doing other things that are, are, are burning you out. I mean, I see people that serve all the time in different areas, and you see it a lot in the helps ministries, which would be like parking, uh, greeting, uh, things like that, ushering, and those types of things are wonderful where you can help a church out if there's a need. Uh, They have, churches have events all throughout the year, so you may have a call, or you may want to do it, fill in, uh, do that kind of thing. But, what could happen is if it's outside of your normal uh, calling and you try to do that other ministry all the time, consistently all the time, you might get burned out from that. And that's what we're, talking, uh, we're not talking about here. We're talking about quitting being wrong when it's your calling. But if it's something else, it's okay to say no. Um, you know, so don't go into condemnation because you're not serving in an area that's not your primary. But again, it's always a good thing to help when they need help. And again, if you're, you're a praise and worship team or you're a teacher of the word and you're doing a Bible study, if the, if the church is running a special event and they need greeters or they need people in the parking lot helping to direct traffic out there, it's not going to do that church any good if you're out there singing or doing your ministry trying to do your ministry when they have a needs in other areas. So again, um, you know, you can look at that on your own. I hope I didn't confuse you, but the bottom line is God does not want you to walk away from the calling on your life, but it's okay to say no in other areas uh, when you feel the need that you have to do that. Um, God will use us in all different areas, but the calling on your life is your the plan he has for your life. And, and God sometimes will move you as well. So that's why, again, you have to be in the word and you have to study the Word and walking in the spirit so that God will be able to direct you and you'll know it's God. Um, so anyway, again, I hope I didn't confuse you there. But, um, you know, you never want to walk away from what God is asking you to do. So that's the bottom line. Um, And God, when it is the plan for your life, he will always keep working until he accomplishes his purpose. Keep in mind that what he's trying to do with us when it's our plan, uh, if you take a look at, um, I'll give you another analogy here. If you think about the art studio and, you know, we've all seen this where you'll have the students in the art studio and you may have a, a model up there and they may be doing, well, let's talk, uh, uh, sculptures or, um, or, uh, clay pottery or something like that at this point. But it also works for painting, but I want to speak of, let's say you're a, a potterer or a sculptor and now you have the role model, you know, uh, um, the model up there that you're using to get your artwork done uh God if you look at God as being the sculptor um and Jesus Christ being the model and we are the actual piece of lump of rock or clay and God is now working us and shaping us with looking at Jesus and shaping us to to the point where his goal is to get us to look exactly like Jesus Christ, and that's what he's trying to do in shaping us. And, and again, that's why we get all these different obstacles that, uh, not obstacles, what we term as obstacles, but opportunities uh, where God can shape us a little bit. And that's important because until Christ comes back, uh, we're, He's God is going to be shaping us until Christ comes back because we're never going to be exactly like Christ until Christ comes back and we get the new body and the whole bit. So until that happens, God has to work on us and mold us and shape us. But um, here's um, Moses, um, you know, and again, don't go with the condemnation over this. But if it's your calling and you think it's your calling, then you really need to stick with it and, um, you know, get, get help if you need it. But study the word and um, God will help you if you pray. Uh, Moses, if you look at uh, Numbers 11, verses 10 through 15, Moses had a difficult time with Israel that he, so bad he wanted to die. I mean, uh, think of Moses. Anytime you want to quit, think of Moses' ministry, leading them people through the desert for 40 years. And they were, if you want problem people, they were problem people. So to the point where in Numbers 11, uh, Moses wanted to die. Then you have Elijah, he became so discouraged that he deserted his post and went into the wilderness where he asked to die first Kings nineteen so you know don't go with the condemnation over this, but you know just know know and work and 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 study the word and let God work with you, just knowing that um when it's your plan, things will flow. When it, if it's a plan for your life, things will flow. But, again, you'll have problems along the way. And it's just, again, opportunities to grow in your ministry. So never forget that. Uh, two, two more interesting quotes. These are pretty good. Uh, it's, uh, and these were by Dr. V. Raymond Edmond. And he, had, he was a professor or a doctor at uh, Wheaton College and two quotes one is it's always too soon to quit and the other one is remember always to keep chin up keep your chin up and your knees down so those are those are two good ones it's always too soon to quit and re- and remember always to keep your chin up and your knee and your your knees down and again if you're walking in the word in the spirit god will direct your path so remember that god will direct your path and uh, you'll see uh, great blessings in your life. Uh, another interesting thing, though, you know, I thought about this a few weeks ago, um, dealing with Christian ministry, especially if you're like uh, in an Internet-type ministry, like like with this Ephesians project, because here's what was happening uh, with the Ephesians project. Uh, a lot of it has turned right now, at least right now, uh, the main emphasis has shifted from... has shifted from... Uh, live small group activity to more internet based activity, and again, this is God directing the flow uh, i cannot I would not even begin to accept any kind of credit for doing this website or any of this stuff. Um, God directs, and when this stuff is flowing, you know you know it's God when things are flowing, you know it's God working, and the original uh, concept was the small groups, which it still is, but God has taken it now to more where it's more of an internet-based ministry. And as a result of that, uh, and this is the same for anybody who has a similar situation, so you can plug in your own situation if it applies here, but what, ha- what can happen in your ministry, and this is what was happening with me, is that you don't always get to see the fruit. You don't get to see the fruit. You know, you put these videos up. I, I put these videos up. Uh, a pastor may put videos up, whatever the ministry is. And you may not ever see the fruit that comes out of it. I mean, there could be people all over the world watching your video or, or getting blessed by it, and you'll never know it. And I've thought about quitting several different times because it is a lot of work to do these um to do a website, and more work to do these videos, because it's a tough thing, and, um, you know, I can't even tell you the number of outtakes, because it's it's a, you know, a major thing here, and especially if you're not a professional at it, but what God showed me was that if, because I was asking God, you know, I basically was praying, asking God, or tell, saying to God, uh, you know, either move this thing forward. Or just shut it down. I mean, just shut it down if it's not the... If if you don't want me doing it, just shut it down or move it forward. And the answer basically that I got was... Um, and I know it had to be God. But it, what I got as an answer was, if you shut this down and quit on me, then when I need this tool to bless someone's heart down the road, it won't be there. And I said, whoa. So... Uh, I know that was God because Satan would not say that because if the thoughts came from Satan, he's he's going to tell me to shut it down. And it's not me because, guess what? It's easier for me to shut it down. So I know it was God. And uh, this, again, you know, apply it to your ministry. Uh, Paul. If you think about the, the ministry of Paul, which is greatest ministry, uh, you know, Apostle of the Gentiles, look what he did with the Bible writing and, and the churches established. And um, when you think about Paul's ministry, and Paul was very often, or Paul very often did not get to see the fruit of his labor as well. He didn't get to see the fruit. He got this, you know, he a lot of times he sent Timothy out or others out. Uh, And then they they bring back a report or some of the churches would send him letters and he would hear about it that way. But a lot of times he would not he'd be blind to uh, the blessings that were, you know, the fruit that was going on as a result of his ministry. And and then another thing that another beautiful image that I believe God showed me was a, a fruit tree, a beautiful fruit tree. Let's use you can use any beautiful fruit tree, whatever your favorite tree is. But let's use oranges. I mean, God calls an orange tree to be an orange tree to produce oranges. It does nothing else but produce oranges. That's the plan God has for an orange tree. And it produces those that fruit. It's very easy for an orange tree to produce orange, oranges. If it tried to produce apples, that's not their gifting. It, ha- it would have a hard time producing apples. But oranges, effortlessly. And that's the same like with us. You know, you try to go outside your ministry sometimes and you have a hard time because that's not where you should be ministering. So but think about the orange tree and then it'll have attacks. You know, it could be weather conditions. It could be uh, insects, whatever the, the attacks are. God has set it up where that tree will survive. And unless it's a major disaster or something abnormal or even man chopping a tree out or something, um Unless that happens, that tree just continues to produce fruit. But guess what? The tree never gets to see, you know, those, those oranges will go all around the country, maybe around the world, and that tree never gets to see the blessings that its own fruit produces. So, you know, that's a uh, kind of an abstract kind of uh, imagery there, but it's a beautiful one, and it gets to the point. So just keep in mind that... Um, You'll meet problem people in problem situations wherever you go. So you've got to make up your mind to expect them, accept them, and let God use them in your life. And, you know, like Joyce Meyer will always tell you that um, yeah, for every level, there's a devil, new devil. For a new, new level, new devil. Um, you can think about if you play video games. I'm not a big video gamer, but when I did. Um, video games often have levels, and you have to meet all the needs or all the obstacles in one level before you can graduate to the next level. Oftentimes, you got to restart again. Sometimes, you got to go back to the beginning. Yeah, you know, like you might be on level four, maybe it sends you back to level one. You see, so if you look at that, um, uh, if you, the, the thing about it is, is when you get through that level, you get through that testing or that that opportunity for growth that God lets you go through, once you get through it, then you can graduate to the next level. And, um, like, like Joyce Meyer always says, is that, you know, some people take the test over and over and over again. And, you know, some, it's interesting, too, that, um, if you can recognize it when you've blown it, like, last, there was a situation last week, um, but I... You know, I I blew it, but it was internally. It wasn't an external thing, but I blew it internally. And then when I was done, I said, "Oh yeah." Next day, I said, "Yep, that was a test. I blew it. Didn't mean it." Now I'm going to have to go through a test like that again. So sooner you go through the test and make it and grow, the the sooner that test will be over and you can go to the next level. But does Satan Satan is out there to distract you, to take you off your plan. He wants you off the plan God has for your life. That's why it's important that you don't quit on God when it's your plan. God's plan for your life. You don't want to quit because that's what Satan wants you to do. He'll hit you with everything he can to get you off the plan. And uh, he wants to use the pro- problem people as weapons to tear you down. But the Holy Spirit will use them as tools to build, build you up. Remember, always remember that. And uh, if you stay on the job and trust God to work, you'll experience his grace in a wonderful way. So you can quit, take your toys and go home, or you can stay, play and win the game. You know, uh, that's how I look at it. And uh, as a result, you'll get stronger. You'll build character. You'll build more trust in God, faith in God, and you'll be a much better servant. And one of the best ways to discover the divine resources that others need is to need them yourself And trust God to supply them. So um, in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, uh, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort that which we ourselves are comforted by God. And we know that Jesus Christ was in all points tempted as we are. It uh, tells us that in Hebrews 4.15. We know that. Uh, prayer, meditation, and temptation make a minister. And Jesus Christ was the example of that. In all points was he tempted as we are. And why? It's so that he might be able to understand our needs and adequately adequately meet them. And we sometimes suffer for the same reason. So that's why you got to use it as an opportunity. When you suffer something... Then you and go through it successfully, um, relying on God and trusting God, then you'll be in a position to help someone else with that same issue. And the prophet Ezekiel wrote, Then I came to the captives of Tel Aviv, who dwelt by the river Chabar, and I sat where they sat. That's Ezekiel 3.15. I sat where they sat. And that is the posture of a true servant of Jesus Christ who wants to be a loving channel of the grace of God. In Christian ministry, problems with people are among the most difficult to bear. I mean, I, you have to agree with that. Um, it's people who haven't caused the greatest problems, and it's those people who need us the most. So, to the point where you can, to the extent that you can deal with those people and not treat them like they treat you, but treat them like Christ would treat them. Um Then you can be a loving channel, no matter how people may respond to your ministry. And that's what it's all about. And it may take years before they allow the Lord to change them. Keep that in mind as well. You know, some people are called to sow the seed. Some are called to do the watering. And some are called to reap the harvest. So some of these things, some of these people may not respond to God's love and to what you're doing for them for years down the road, and you may not even be around. Um, but no matter what, the Lord is at work, and he will finish what he has begun. Philippians 1, six. So it's Christ uh, working in us, God working in us to do of his, to do his will um, of his, and of his good pleasure, how he wants it done. But God wants us to minister lovingly as loving channels. So once again, divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And uh, this went a little long, but I think it's important. And hopefully you get something out of this. And always remember to keep your head in the Word and study the Word. Stay focused. Check out the Ephesians Project uh, gifting Uh, discover your gifting uh, profiles. There's also uh, another thing too, which I haven't mentioned, but there are uh, personality profiles on there as well. And the thing about it is that God, when God calls you for your plan, and again, he gives you gifting in certain areas, uh, 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 that gifting is your anointing, and he gives you the grace and the resources. uh, But he will also give you a personality that's suited to that ministry, to that plan. So your personality fits right into the plan that God has for your life. You may not have thought of that. So we do have personality profiles as well, which all fit together. And again, that's why I like to do it live. We do it all together, and then you can set goals and the whole bit. But I set it up again. Uh, this has taking the shift to more internet-based, and until God changes that and moves it in a different way, that's the way it is. So everything's up there. So Uh, avail yourself of the opportunities, avail yourself of the opportunities God gives you, and may you have a blessed day, a blessed week, and a blessed life. Thank you. God bless.